listening to the Food Talk Show. Hi there, my name is Susie Warren-Smith. I've got a bit of a, I'd say, sexy croaky voice yes, this morning. very sexy, gravelly voice. Uh, and for the next 30 minutes, we're going to be talking all things food and drink as usual. I'm joined by my fellow presenter, AJ Sharp, who is a taste expert. Hello. Judge for the Great Taste Awards, loads of other awards. But you also run uh, one of the best, I would say, um, public relations uh, uh, companies. So you're actually a business owner as well. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And and the reason why I'm saying that is today we are honoured to have Renee Elliott, who is a bit of a heroine of mine, and Sam Wigan, who is not quite as much a hero, but he could be after after today as our guest. So welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> nice intro. Mm, sort of. Uh, we, we, we're going to talk a little bit about Renee and Sam's background, but what we really want to drill down into is well-being at work. Now, as we know, the food, drink, agri and hospitality sector have taken a real hit in the last two years. Mm. We've seen some dreadful things haven't we AJ in terms of the businesses that we work with oh so it's, many friends it's been it's been really sad actually and and almost everyone's health has been affected by covid one way or another uh including me actually I would say so I, I want to ask some questions about whether we should be considering this aspect for our employees you know is it our responsibility to be looking after them and does it make any sort of sense before we go into that Rene uh, uh, would you like to give us a little bit of your your background uh you are famous for setting up planet <laughs> organic which i used to go into i used to work at tottenham court road oh. and i used to go down tottenham court road good oh where can you get something decent to eat and then i found this place just <laughs> off of tottenham court road and it was amazing because it was completely different from anything else thank you gosh where do i start how long yeah. have we got wow 29 <laughs> minutes <laughs> Well, it's, I think it started when I was 19 and I had this idea, I had this epiphany about that there isn't someone necessarily looking after my best interest in terms of food and people don't do things the best way possible. So I'd look around me at the educational system, people's relationships, um, all kinds of things, kind of every part of life and think, can we do this better? There must be a better way. There must be a different way. So that became kind of a mission for me, I think, at that age. So, so are you saying that in a way you have to... Nobody is actually going to look after you, really. So you've got to take responsibility. Absolutely. That's what it's you're all about responsibility. Right. And as I grew, I came to England when I was 21 and then um, had a few jobs here. And finally, I realized I had to have my own business and that that would be in food because I've had this idea of well-being and several themes in well-being that kind of came to me in my teens. And what's foundational is health because you can be the most talented determined person in the world. But if you can't get off the sofa because you feel like crap, you're not going to go anywhere. So I saw that as foundational and I had a real kind of 
rich tapestry of food woven into my life because of my mother, who's an incredible cook and baker, and my dad, who used to make us grow this huge vegetable garden. So I set out to open the first organic supermarket in the UK, and we opened in on West Bung Grove. Well, that's insane. In 95. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. (laughs) But but nobody else was doing that. Did you feel that strongly that if if you knew that yourself, that, that other people would go... Oh, okay. I recognize that in me. And actually that's starting to hit a chord with me too. That's exactly what I thought. So I had done, I did my business plan and I did a lot of research and, but I really believed in terms of customer that there were enough people out there like me who given the choice and learning more about food and the processes behind conventional farming would choose something better and not just organic. It was organic plus health because there's obviously there's a lot of organic junk food out there. And for me, it's about promoting health in the community. That was our mission and still is our mission by eating the best possible food so that you feel great, not only today, but in the future. Because, you know, you can eat rubbish for a long time and feel okay. And then as you get older, you don't feel so great. Yes, I'm, I'm so you have to, to start now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you're talking about health and well-being. Um, having businesses, you have to have a huge amount of energy. You just have to uh, to make that work. And as I'm getting on, I'm going, God, energy's not quite what, what it was. <laughs> and actually, it's becoming really obvious to me. I need to look after myself more and more as I get older, yes. not less and less. It could be a full-time job. I do think that. I think, should I... Should I retire? I haven't told Sam this yet. And just I could just look after my well-being all day, every day. All day long. That would be pretty good. I mean, you've got, you know, two children, you're running a business. What do you think about the health? Do you think that's... I think it often gets takes a back seat. All the time mm. it takes a back seat, in fact, because you're always looking after everybody else. You're always trying to pack lunch boxes and sports kits and dashing around like a mad thing. When do you actually stop and stretch and drink a pint of water before you My, my favourite thing is when you went with the kid's bag, school bag that morning and you've been there all weekend and then you open and go, your child has got nits, you've now got to do this. And you're like, oh, I'm, they're off to school in half an hour, you know, and all that sort of thing. Or, or we're, we're doing cakes this week. And, oh, yeah. no. I mean, yeah, could, could they come in dressed as Const- a Roman yeah, on Monday so, uh, morning and it's sort of constant, 20 past eight? Constant, oh, constant. It, that's particularly true for women. I mean, men are great and they do a lot of work too. But women are particularly particularly the caretakers and putting people first. And one of the things we'll get to talk about soon is we say take care of self first. first. And that is so uncomfortable for some people. Mm. I know a few people who are like, yeah, of course, I'm always put myself first, which they is great, don't. but yeah. a lot of people don't. don't. And it's something I have to remind myself of mm. often. <laughs> so is that a thing when you're on the plane where they say, yeah, if the your... oxygen mask comes yeah. down, sort yours out first. Don't put it on the old lady next no, to you. No, 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 do yours first <laughs> and then you can sort the old lady out. So basically, I should go to the gym and not cook my husband a fried breakfast. Absolutely. He shouldn't be having a fried breakfast, ma'am. That's true. Okay, Sam, before we go uh, into the into the news sort of uh, company that you're, you're, you're doing with Rennie, just give us a little bit of background on you. Oh, gosh. Uh, so... Because you're a life coach, really. Well, I'm an executive life coach. And? And. And, and. And uh, I got started coming out of university actually um which is now a long time ago i got a 30-year school reunion invitation the other day which <laughs> i kind of that alarming. thing when you, you do buy something online and it says your you, you year that you're born and it scroll keep scroll, scrolling, scroll, keep scroll. scrolling. <laughs> oh yeah so i know what you mean yeah. um and uh so yeah i was coming out of university and I, and I felt like i had some big questions to to answer you know the big life questions um and got involved in transformational development started going to seminars self-awareness seminars then ended up 
um, sort of helping to organize and run uh, those seminars um, and and just got that sort of became a big part of my life really um, and also at the same time building a career as an artist as a sculptor so I had this kind of twin track um, and and then I kind of segued sort of into the transformational development really being the primary thing and I got to know uh, through that work I got to know Ariana Huffington so when she started Thrive Global um, a few years ago now uh, I was one of the first um, coaches, facilitators to be invited to join and, that and, team. and that was uh, founded to sort of combat corporate burnout. Com combat corporate mm. burnout. So very much in that in this space that where Renee and I are now in together um, of looking at, you know, what are the challenges for people in business and uh, and seeking to address that in a very thoughtful way and really coming at it from the perspective of the individual, understanding that it's it's actually very complicated you know, it's not a one size fits all. It's not let's all do yoga on a Friday. As nice as that is, or you know, let's do the <laughs> can't mental can't health workshop. Can't imagine my team doing that. No. Well, right, exactly, because <laughs> it's because you know what's going on for you this week is probably quite different for what's going on for me this week, and then it's going to keep changing. So it's really about becoming more aware of what is going on in my world, and where do I need to adjust sort of moment to moment, day to day, mm. week to week. So I had some uh, really interesting uh, debates with somebody uh, a couple of weeks ago and they were talking about silent quitters, which I'll explain one those mm. in a minute, uh, and also, you know, sickness levels and, and corporate burnout. Mm. <clears throat> so the thing about silent quitters is people who, who want to do a good job and then somehow what they want to do just doesn't quite fit. So they sort of quietly mm. back out of their job, but they're still turning up every day mm. doing enough to get by and, and contribute but but they've zoned out. They're they're out of it really, um, and I've seen an awful lot. And most recently, people taking on too much at work, thinking it's really important that they're busy and they're running around doing everything. They're micromanaging, and you can see they're getting sicker and sicker. Mm. Really. Mm. So so how do you how do you sell to somebody that 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 is a sort of treadmill that they're on, that they need to get off, and that 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 somehow the attendeeism and all that. So it's not the way to go about in business. How do you win that argument? Because sometimes it's really entrenched in an organization. Yeah, well, I, you know, you're just, you're absolutely speaking to the, the challenge, which is that you've got organizational kind of paradigm culture, and then you've got individual paradigm culture. And these things tend to be quite unseen, unconscious. And so it really is a journey of awareness. It's about becoming more aware. And we're not trying to, in a way, we're not really trying to convince anyone of every, anything. We're really just, we're creating a space for people to self-reflect, to take a look. Um, not because we say so, but because everyone's got things going on in their world that are important to them. And then when you start to really identify, well, what are those things? And then, you know, am I giving the time, attention, you know, to those things which do have most meaning? And I think a lot of it is about meaning, is what is meaningful. Um, and then that becomes organizationally as well as individually. So in a work context as well as in a personal context. Absolutely. And I think, you know, and, and you know, we just, we, we pre-pandemic, we were like, look, there's this collapse of personal and professional. Like they're, in, they're so intertwined. You can't really separate them as much as you might like to. And then the pandemic came and we were all at home and it was a total collapse at that point of both things mm -hmm. intertwined. And in a way that's good news because it's like, well, let's stop pretending that they're separate. They're not really. I mean, you know, 
in some ways, yes. And then to the extent that that's helpful for you to separate, then absolutely. But mostly, you know, if things aren't going well at home, it's going to have an impact at work. If things aren't going well at work, it's going to have an impact at home. It's just, you know, it's, it makes yeah. sense, right? So one of the things that you talk about is is be yourself. Mm. Uh, um, and when I used to go for like job interviews and I don't know, mm -hmm. be a manager in a very corporate sense. It's like I used to think, right, this is what they want me to say. This is how. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to I'm going to reflect what the organization wants in terms of vocabulary and culture and all that sort of stuff. And I will then present myself as somebody who completely fits with that. Uh, and then I will adjust my style to, to fit in with that corporate culture. Um, I think as I got older, but that might be because you get more confidence as you, you get older, is it's like, well, this is how I am. So how do I make the most of that when I'm at work? Is is that what you're trying to say? Be yourself, Renee? Or, or, or yeah, how, pretty what's much. What's the concept behind so, that? So the idea is, so Sam and I put together all our learning over many decades through lockdown because the whole world changed. And we came out with a framework for you to know yourself because a lot of people don't know themselves. And I have people who say, what's be yourself? I, I, I don't, I can't be myself. I don't know myself. Adults. And I think, wow, this is. So, so they genuinely. Really valuable. Yeah. So they I might react to something and go, wow, I don't, I didn't realize I would react like that. Or I didn't. Or, or, yeah. I don't know what I want necessarily. I don't know how to choose. I don't listen. To, I don't trust myself. I don't listen to that small, still voice. So we developed a framework for you to know yourself, which then enables you to be yourself. And there are tools along that journey, and I know we'll, Sam will go a little more into this, so that you can then manage yourself. Because we all have our strengths and weaknesses, our idiosyncrasies. And taking responsibility for who you are in that knowingness is about being able to manage yourself. So it's know yourself, be yourself, manage yourself. So so will you necessarily, if you go through that journey, go, actually, I quite like that, those bits about myself. You'll always, yes, it's a very mm -hmm. positive journey. So there will That's be really good. And then there'll be things positive. like, for me, it's like, you're so impatient. I stop being impatient. And, and, and I know that I'm not very good at that. Uh, and I've tried to manage that over the years. But but then would you help me with how, don't change your personality because you're no, an impatient exactly. personality, but how you how manage, you manage that yourself with and other the, people. Yes. And the largest part of it, there are little, there are tools and tricks, but the largest through line, the golden through line is self-awareness. Mm -hmm. And when you have, the moment you come into awareness, you have choice. So you're irritated and you think, oh, there's me, self-awareness. <laughs> yeah. And you can choose not to be irritated in that moment. It's not something you can plan because you're only ever, it's moment to moment. So mm. we say awareness enables choice. And this is going back to what you said right at the beginning is you discovered that you have to take responsibility for you because actually, especially as you get older, you realize you are on your own, really. Yes. You can be married, you can have parents, you can have children, but actually you're on your own. Well, well we like to say that you're your you're your greatest resource. Yeah. I mean, which, you know, when you really think about that. I don't it mean that in a lonely sense. sense. No, it's I'm, not. I'm no, meant it's, in, yeah. nobody else can understand what's going on in your head, really. Yes. Uh, yeah. And I've, how, you know, you, so you can only be helped with that if you start to verbalize it and discuss it with somebody and, and go through that journey because it's it's quite a hard one, isn't it? Well, with just you inside your head. Yeah. yeah. Go on. And we, we find, we talk to corporates or individuals, or we work with entrepreneurs, all kinds of groups, students, and they say, 
we know we need to do something about well-being. We actually have no idea what to do. And we think the reason is because everyone's so individual. And what Sam and I say is you have your answers. We don't tell you what to do. Right. We help pull them out of you by knowing yourself through this framework. And then it's about living that day-to-day, moment-to-moment, so that you're always making the right choices for yourself and prioritizing in the right way. But I think what's interesting about, is what, about what you're yeah. saying, though, is that, that you're, you're saying, uh, you, you know, as an, em, as an employer, which is one of the big worries you have as an employer, you know, I am not your mum. I am not there to sort you out on a day-to-day basis. And you'd be worried that, oh, I might get, I don't know, I know. industrial tribunal. Um, but actually... The biggest thing you can do as an employer is lay the framework to allow people mm-hmm. to do those to things, do it is themselves. what you're saying. It's for the individual. And that individual work, because we work in with individuals, we work in teams, the individual growing and understanding and coming into their trusting themselves in magnitude transforms the team. Mm-hmm. So then the team is more effective, efficient. They've got each other's back. There's more mm-hmm. empathy. And that transforms the organization. So as an employer, your responsibility is to allow th- that infrastructure and framework and culture to happen and let people then do their... Well, actually, it may not. you may not be that magnanimous. You may just say self-awareness <laughs> is good for business because yeah, yeah. I can see if I'm looking after the individual, the, the team does better, the company does really well. Yeah. Does that um, strike a chord with you and your team? Absolutely. We've just done a big coaching session, group coaching session about being authentic and turning up as your authentic selves. And and what does that actually mean? And I can remember very clearly being a graduate and sitting in a meeting with a client and my boss and trying to please both my boss and the client and almost tying myself in knots in my head mm. rather than just being present and listening and, and and saying the right things in those moments well you're you're really speaking to i think a kind of central piece here which is and this is what we've we're identifying people come out of this program with which really is a transformational program and they're coming out with personal agency and and that really gets to be an unlock across all these kind of things we're talking about so that when you have personal agency you have that that self-confidence, essentially. Mm-hmm. So you're no longer being driven by, I'm trying to prove myself to my boss. I'm trying to prove mm-hmm. myself to the client. You're really speaking from, you know, greater personal authority. And and that can include, I'm just sitting back, you know, and I'm just allowing, you know, my clients talking. I'm just listening because I'm not trying to prove that I've got to give some value here. Exactly. You know, I'm very confident in my value. And what happens if you have a bit of a toxic team? You know, you arrive... And you've got people who are being a bit sort of, I don't think you're allowed to say it anymore, but I don't really care, a bit alpha male, you, you, you know, a bit gorilla-ish. And then that sort of drives the behaviour where people are sort of thinking, well, I've got to be a bit more aggressive, so I've got to be a bit more authoritative. And then you've got this awful team culture. I, I, I just want to make a distinction between something that's toxic yeah, maybe that's so, not a good description. So, so, well, but I think they're both significant. So, you know, we always say we love the cynics because we're not we're not trying to persuade or or prove anything. Okay. We're really inviting people to start to think about their own process, and everyone's got that. So, when the cynic comes in, going, "Oh, you know, I've done X, Y, and Z workshops. I've got better things to be doing right now," which always happens. Somebody that body language one. comes yeah. in, they sit back, their arms are folded, yeah, they're not I, engaging. I, we, we love those people because because <laughs> because by the end of the session, they're they're engaging in what because we're we're just asking them what's important to you. So okay, you know what is more important, and and everyone's got the what's more important to me, 
and everyone does get value from thinking about that, reflecting on that. So mm. love those people. And I think that's very different <laughs> from toxic, which yeah. is which is a whole nother well, for me, it sort of then creates this this you know spiral, which can only get worse yeah. uh, if that then becomes right. a dominant behaviour. Yeah. And as an employer, mm. you know that's going to affect the bottom line. It will do. Well, Renee's the kind of superpower in in that respect because <laughs> she you know she just she tells it how it is. You know, so <laughs> really? if she sees something, she says it. Yeah. You know, if she sees something going on, she'll just call it out. It sounds like Susie yeah. to me. I'm, I'm <gasps> so. You invite somebody to really think about themselves, what's important to them, all those sorts of things. Do, do you actually ask them to consider how their behaviour makes other people feel? Because I think often sometimes somebody's a bit bullish and they're very driven to get something done, which is, one might argue, good corporate behaviour, but actually doing it at the expense where you're making other people feel pretty bad about themselves. Right. How do you prove the effect that somebody can have but don't it but not even realizing it well that's such a, such a great question and 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 again one of the outputs we're seeing is greater empathy is one of the outputs and it's not one that we were especially saying we want to, people to be empathetic it was much more natural consequence of a becoming more attuned to your own more aware of your own process but also becoming more aware of other people's experience through you know the journey that we're taking people on mm -hmm. you, you know you hear people talking about what's going on for them and and so that becomes both i'm more empathetic because a i'm understanding that people have similar challenges that i have so that's one side of it but the other side of it is realizing that people find things i don't find challenging other people do find challenging and that's very real so you know someone can have a different experience to me and that's still real and so the output is i'm much more empathetic so the spheres that we go through are interesting because most people think well-being, they think physical, mental. Yes. And we say, no, it's everything in your world. Mm. So it's physical, which is move, fuel, rest. It's three things. It's not one thing. Then it's occupational. So it's your work and your purpose. It's psychological, economic, social, and spiritual. And that captures everything in your world, everything that's going on at any one time. So I think when you've gone on a journey of and it is, it, it's not just inviting people to look at themselves, it's using this framework that we dive into and they, they work on themselves, you know, through this framework. That at the end of that, I think they may slightly tweak, there may be adjustments because you have much greater self-awareness about what motivates you, where your purpose is, what you're passionate about, what you like, what you don't like through that knowing yourself and therefore being yourself. So you're not actually advising any entrepreneur or any business what they should do. No, I never tell Actual. anyone what to do. I listen. Yeah. We listen and they find their answers. We say you have all your best answers. And, and, that, and that's always a huge relief to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, you I, I don't need to have the answer. Well done. You know, <laughs> and, and, uh, and also understanding that, you know, the, the people who we work with, you know, whether that's individually or as teams, <clears throat> You know, they're, they're usually brilliant at what they do. They're brilliant in their role. They're experts. Aren't most and, people? And like, yeah, yeah, so it's like, it's like, look, I'm not here to give you, give you answers, but we're here to create a space in which you can really deeply self-reflect in a very purposeful way, with a structure, in a structured way. Positive way. In a positive yeah. way and, and, and get the answers.
So unbelievably, we're coming to the end of the programme. So uh, my key question is, if we go back to the food and drink sector, you know, I'm running a food company. It's, it's a little bit tough at the moment. Margins are a bit thin. Maybe I've got 30 or 40 people. Why on earth should I come to you guys? It's a bit fluffy. I mean, really? It's going to be good for business. Self-awareness is good for business. It's good for the bottom line. Yeah. Without fail. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and does is you know how how do you generally work with companies? You generally go in at the CEO owner level. Generally? It's it's yeah. a mix. So we do we I work with entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial couples, which is quite lovely. We work with corporate teams. It can be C suite leadership teams. It can also be a vertical slice through the business where they just want to work on culture change and cohesion and coherence throughout. We can do big numbers in big global corporates. I mean, I would say we always try and go in as high as we can within the organization. Yeah. So exco senior leadership teams, because then you have the greatest impact, you know. Uh, uh, and lead change. from the top. Only lead from the top. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, it's really hard at the moment. I think, I, I, as you say, COVID, you've got, uh, you've got teams that are scattered all over the place. Surely the time for this is now more than ever. Absolutely. Because you're not all sitting in the same office That's and, why and having here. these conversations. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and if, a, if a, an organization is struggling with that, um, definitely this is the way, you know, come to you guys. Presumably you would talk through what mm. their issues are, how you're trying to pull a team together. Uh, and because what we're doing is brand new, because we created it and no one knows what we're talking about, we do. We normally do. <laughs> well, <laughs> what are you talking about? I think once you talk about it, you go, oh, yeah, it's oh, probably yeah. pretty, yeah, yeah, of course. We do, we do yeah. but it's also how we do that over a year because it's, it's transformation over time. It's not a one-off yep. rah-rah yep. workshop. So we do a two-hour intro experiential session we go into corporates and do that so that they can really get a handle on what we're doing and get excited about it. Yeah. What do you reckon, AJ? I think it sounds amazing. So, <laughs> it's needed more than ever, I think. It's needed more than ever. I, and I think it's hard to sell, actually. Hmm. Because because it's so, it's sort of, in a way, it's so obvious. Yeah. We all need it. It's actually quite hard to sell. And it's experiential. So it's not, it it's not information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's experience. Yeah. Mm. And, and the name of the company? And why did you call it that? Well, we're really focusing on the name of the course, which is Be Yourself. Be Yourself. And that is Absolutely. really our flag at the moment because it's it's the more people do that, the happier they are. And that's the message. Mm. And the better they work in teams. And, and then the company the does company well. Does. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it's when you change the individual, it impacts everything. You know, your health, your well-being affects everything you do and everyone you know. Yeah. Well, I'm a bit of a convert uh, uh, having a... An organization, uh, as you know, that I, I, I've actually sold. But for me, we did a lot of working out how mm -hmm. people were and their mm -hmm. styles and, and, and other people in the team accommodating those styles because they understood that person better. Uh, and there's a lot of um, Mickey taking going on, by the way, but but in a really nice yeah. way and, and people really owning the values and, and the vision of the company, which is what takes you forward. Because you can't be there all the time. And as you grow, it's really hard to maintain culture. As an entrepreneur, Yeah, you've got to have other people who understand it. I think your, all the your, way through. your story, your, I think is so inspiring. I think you really have been the gold standard of how, how to build, build that culture. <laughs> I don't know where you got that from. <laughs> well... I've heard Don't things. Don't deflect. I've heard things. <laughs> things. We've heard things. <laughs> Something wrong there. Um, but for, for for me, it worked. Uh, uh, um, uh, but you've yeah. you've got to 
you've got to go on that journey. Sounds really corny, um, because it does take it does take time. Mm-hmm. And you've got to allow it to have time. Mm-hmm. Well, we will definitely put links. Uh, we will do a, a dedicated web page, which we normally do with our guests. And we'll definitely uh, put, put links on there. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Thank Any you. last questions there, AJ? No, oh, I don't think so. I like so. putting her on the spot. <laughs> you're, you're a real advocate. I'm a huge advocate of wellness at work. Yeah, This is something that I really believe that we have a huge responsibility to mm-hmm. the team that give up their time. And, you know, as a mother, as a parent, it's that having that time with people, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And we're all trying to fit it all in. Mm. That's what I'm saying. Got to get a kid dressed up as a Roman soldier in the morning. You know, if you're, if you're in a good place, you can manage all that sort of stuff. OK, so you've been listening to The Food Talk Show. And as you know, we're syndicated to radio stations across the UK and further afield, as well as being available on Audible, Spotify, iTunes, podcasts up on your phone, la, 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 la. Don't forget, we're on Podcast Radio 2. Thank you to my fellow presenter, AJ Sharp. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And don't forget, if you want to syndicate our lovely programme for free on your radio station, get in touch with us on hello at foodtalk.co.uk. Final thank you to Renee Elliott and Sam Wigan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Making you. the journey all the way over here. Uh, we hope you have a good week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.